0: Happy summer, everybody. Welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins, taking a deep breath, deep sigh, just trying to, um, you know, get through each day because, uh, wow, let's be honest, it's overwhelming in so many different ways. But let's not focus on that right now. Let's talk about independent music. And I have a great conversation to bring you today. If this is your first time listening to the show, welcome! Because uh, I know that uh, this this gent is quite popular, and maybe you've uh, dipped into the show, you've found it across social media or recommendations or whatever. And uh, welcome. We basically talk about independent music. I interview people, and uh, you know, kind of connect the tissues of why this whole thing is important: independent music, and punk, and hardcore, and all that other fun stuff that we just uh, we just love. We are deeply indebted to so i have henry cox the vocalist from boston manor who is a great band from the uk have uh, put out uh, a few lps on pure noise records just released one earlier this year and uh, you know right as people stopped touring (laughs) And so, uh, Henry actually proactively reached out to me, uh, independently and was like, Hey, let's, uh, I I would love to be on the show. And I knew the band's name. Uh, and once I discussed a little bit more with Henry, I was like, yeah, this sounds like a great idea. So that's what we did. But how are you? I mean, like, really, how are you? Like, are you walking your dog? Are you, um, you know, on a treadmill or something like that? I'm doing okay. I'm, uh, you know, just celebrated Father's Day here in the, uh, the States, And that was nice to be able to, um, you know, hang out socially distanced and responsible with uh, the family. And uh, I beat everybody at Cornhole, which is a uh, game that you should Google if you have no idea what it is. But it was uh, it was nice. And I mean, really, that's all we can kind of do these days is just nice, you know, (laughs) like some semblance of like relaxing, you know, reading a book. Just like taking a walk to a park, like all of these simple pleasures in life are really all that we can kind of do in order to uh, try to beat back some of the insanity of this world. Um, and this is all stuff that you need to pay attention to. I'm not advocating sticking your head in the sand and ignoring all the uh, systemic racism that is going on around the country or the fact that, um, you know, hundreds and thousands of people are being infected by a pandemic and a disease that is not going away anytime soon. And We all need to be responsible and do our part. So, uh, yeah, I am not advocating for that. I am advocating for you protecting your own mental well-being as much as you possibly can, because that is incredibly important in these days. So, uh, yeah, let's dive in, okay? Here is the handsome chap, Henry, and uh, talking about Boston Manor and a bunch of other stuff. So, here we go. I'm in love with
1: the I don't need no one else, because I got what I want right here. Look
0: like, look like you. And I think it was, you know, when you guys signed with Pure Noise was, you know, really when you kind of came on my radar. Like, I'd heard your name before, but not in a way where I actually, like, it took a step to, like, listen to the music and stuff like that. But At that particular time, it was, uh, you know, that was when, like, we were mentioning off mic where, you know, you guys were friends with Mooseblood and, you know, kind of coming up in that scene. And then also, um, you know, bands like Departures and like, it's always interesting because I've noticed that things seem to come kind of in batches (laughs) from the UK, or it's like, all of a sudden, it's like, when I say all of a sudden, it's like here in America, we notice like, you know, you know six to 10 bands that are, you know, that maybe all sound different, but have kind of come from the same, you know, scene, so to speak. Um, and then all of a sudden kind of, you know, make their presence felt here in the States. And I mean, you guys have obviously done a ton of work over here, but do you, does that kind of make sense where it's like all, you know, worldwide? I mean, you don't have the perspective cause you're living it and you're playing shows in the UK and stuff like that. But then, you know, to have all these bands kind of like come over and make their presence felt stateside or whatever. Um, does that kind of ring true or have you noticed any of that at all? I think we got kind
1: of lucky with it really, because it is so hard for British bands to kind of like um, you know, get over there and, and kind of make themselves known in America. Um and because you know, there's so much music, amazing music happening all the time in America anyway. And it's such a huge country. So it it, it makes sense. But there was I guess there was a, a, a few bands like Neck Deep and, and Moose Blood and a few hardcore bands um at the time that were, were, were starting to kind of make some waves in America. So mm-hmm. we got really lucky because Moose Blood took us on our first full US tour and they were already kind of I think it was their first headliner, but they were already doing really well off the back of Warp Tour and stuff. So we we definitely kind of in terms of American touring sort of came into it at, at the right time really. But I, I know exactly what you mean. There's I've definitely seen like a whole generation of bands go kind of missed by, by the wider world in the UK. And then, you know, if it's the right time, there'll be like a five year period where all, all these bands kind of start gaining.
0: Yeah, you know, no, totally. Cause I, I mean, I'm even reflecting like, you know, whatever early two thousands where it's like, you know, a bullet for my Valentine and funeral for a friend, like all of these things. It's like, it, it all seems to, you know, like you said, kind of right place, right time, you know, bring me the horizon obviously as well, where Mm -hmm. it all just kind of starts to hit in the States. And then, you know, I think record labels over here realize like, Oh, there's something going on over there, even though really there's always something going on over the the UK. Like there's always something happening, but it's, you know, I guess it just takes like one or two to all of a sudden start to be like, Oh yeah, we need to pay attention to what's going on over there again.
1: Well, truth be told, I mean, forgive me for anyone listening who's in in a band that's been active in the UK, but I feel like uh, after there was, like, the initial wave of our band and all the other bands that were kind of coming up at the same time, um, loads of UK bands, you know, I feel like after that wave, there was, like, a big, like, lull where there wasn't really any, like, new bands coming through in the UK. You know, we were always looking for bands to tour with and to, like, support us on UK tours and stuff, and uh, and, and there, was a, there was a big period where of like three or four years where there was, I felt like there was nothing new coming through. Um And now that's like kind of changed. And there's, there's a ton of sick bands right now in, in the UK that are active, but may, maybe that was just me. Cause we were in America that whole time. So maybe we just kind of missed it, you know, we went to like fewer local shows and stuff, but it felt like may, maybe the wave thing is that it, there is actually legitimate tap periods of time in the UK where, <laughs> where there's just no, you know, 18, 19 year old kids that are really wanting to play rock music. Cause it's, 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 there's, there's, there's way fewer like local scenes in the UK anymore,
0: which is a real shame. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh no. I, I, I see what you're saying, especially too. I've always found it interesting with, you know, uh, when, when people start to get exposure to the UK and realize how, um, you know, important it is from a cultural perspective and the art that's being created over there. But then when you look at it, how small, the you know actual territory is you know like the country is and it's like you know you you try to compare it to uh you know certain areas of america and then it's just like you you can't even wrap your head around it like i remember i mean i i I think everybody i've spoken to that is from the uk uh, i just remember uh playing shows with the band that band johnny truant and i remember that yeah and i remember them telling me uh you know ollie the singer they did like a 30 day tour in the UK and I was just like, how do you even that's, do? Yeah. It was crazy. I'm like, how-? insane?" <laughs> I was, I was like, engaged. yeah. I was like, are you just playing like fishing towns? Like <laughs> this is crazy.
1: He, yeah. He must've done That's, that's, that's mental. Like I, I think I've seen bands do it where they'll do like, like an ABC and D market tour. If that <laughs> even exists or, right. all, all at once. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we've done our fair share of touring in the UK. I think the most we've ever done is about a about a sixteen day tour, which felt like it went on forever, really, because there really aren't that many places to play. Right, and then well, that, that, that's
0: wild. I know you can fit England into Texas like five times or something. Right, and honestly, and that's exactly what the 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 point I was trying to make, where it's just like, yeah, you can, you know, I mean, you know, clearly, like you were talking about a b and c markets or whatever you can look at in the states like you know really obviously a good tour is whatever you know 30 to 35 days long and you can stretch that out or whatever um but then the amount of ground that you make up like as far as travel is concerned is like <laughs> it's just ridiculous you know
1: yeah for sure i <laughs> like a lot of my my friends here that haven't uh been to the i mean most people that you like british people that go to the states They'll usually go to like, you know, New York or Florida or maybe, maybe California. But, you know, I, <laughs> I, I have a lot of friends who are always like, man, I really want to just get in, get an RV and just drive coast to coast. And I'm like, honestly, mate, you don't really want to do that because most of that is just going to be like a very straight road and a lot of flat land in the middle there and a lot of pilot gas stations. And that's about all you're going to you're going to see, really um and people don't really realize just quite how long the drives are you know we'll I'll, you know we'll talk about stuff and we'll be like yeah you know we did like a it was like a 14 hour drive but we had a day off to do it and people are like thought you drove for 14 hours in one day <laughs> people just can't believe it because it's you know there's nothing like that here you, you'd get to like i think italy if you did that in the UK. right
0: <laughs> totally totally yeah it's such a it, it's a wild thing like when you you know actually look at it from a logistics perspective and then trying to compare and contrast to your own experience and it's just like that doesn't make any sense whatsoever but yeah and but to your point like what you were saying earlier in regards to kind of you know the the lulls that people may see like i was always surprised too i think the first time that i i uh, really was kind of exposed to the some somewhat you know locality of bands not break being able to break out of certain territories where it's like i remember i traveled over uh, I, I went with architects to uh, a fest called ghost fest which was i think I, I don't know it was it was in i mean it was maybe like four or five hours outside of london i don't know I, it was it, some random city but it
1: was in the, it was in leeds there you go well. <laughs> okay
0: but uh, there was there's a band that i'll never forget that it was a band called i think exit 10 or something like that Is that a band?
1: Oh, I remember that band. Yeah. Wow. I've not thought about them in a long time.
0: Right. But it was like, I watching them play at ghost fest. I was like, this band is really good. Like there, there's so many positive things that that band had going on, but I was like, no one knows about them outside of the UK. And it was just, it was so interesting. And you know, I'm sure there's, so many bands across the world that kind of have that, you know, they're like somewhat popular locally and then never, you know, get outside of it. But I just thought it was really pronounced in the UK where there were so many bands that, um, you know, really, really were good and for whatever reason never kind of broke out of that particular scene.
1: There's definitely like loads of examples of it, but I mean, how many times have we seen a local band,
0: like a local opener
1: and you're like, holy shit, this band's incredible. Like why does nobody, you know anywhere in the world why does nobody know about this band um i think the weird thing about the uk is though i feel like I, i'm going to guess i think that that year that architects played uh, ghost Fest, probably around like 2008 or 2009 i could be wrong on that but it feels like maybe around then and i, I feel like at that time those uk bands if they were successful could could make a living off just touring the uk and and europe and maybe occasionally going over to australia or something like i feel i feel like there wasn't really a, a sort of a, ne- a necessity to go over to tour the States. Um, whereas I feel like now it is, you know?
0: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Cause there definitely is, um, you know, it, cause it's such a financial undertaking to, you know, travel to the States and like do that. And it, it really, it, it's not like touring anywhere else in the world everywhere else in the world it's you know not similar but you know you are taken care of in ways that america just doesn't (laughs) take care of bands in the state like you know from touring perspective but it's uh yeah but it's such a a a, a commitment that you really have to focus on it and be like okay like you guys have where it's like okay america is important we want to be known over here so we're going to spend a ton of time here in the same way that you know a band like silverstein it's like yeah they do well in canada but like they focused on the States for 10 plus years in order to, you know, build the fan base they have there. It's like, it, it, so it has to be a, a real deliberate thing like you're talking about. Oh yeah. I mean, we, we've been working at, at like, just, um,
1: make building an audience here since, since 2016. I mean, we did our first headline tour of the States at the, like right at the end of last year. And I think it was our like 10th tour of America. Um, we just done, you know, we I think we've been doing sort of three, Full U.S. tours a year minimum for the past sort of three three years at least, um, and and it, it's been like a, a really sort of long process of, of you know you 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 play you play in I don't know San Diego and then you're like well I'll be back in this venue in three months and then three months after that and 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 you know you see the same kids and then a couple more come each show and and it's it, it's been kind of nice really because it's it's almost like we really sort of, when we went over to the States for the first time, we'd, we were still a really small band in the UK, but we'd built up a bit of a following from being like a DIY band for a while and, and just sort of touring and touring. And, and then we kind of started again when we went to the States. And it was really nice because so many, so many kids that um, have been coming to those very early shows, you know, I see it at all the shows now and they've really kind of grown with us. It's, it, it's a really nice organic process, to be honest.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, especially too with what, you were attempting to do as a band where you're not just kind of like sticking to your one lane, you know, you're clearly experimenting with sounds as you know, you grow older and as your music tastes evolve and what you want to do with the band. So it's cool because you can, like you said, you have those real tangible experiences of like, Oh yeah, I met the 10 kids who cared about us the first time we came through. And like, those are really committed boston manor fans as opposed to people who saw us in front of a thousand people and like will forget about us the moment they walk out of a venue
1: i'm i'm convinced that the 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 bulk of our audience is the kids that came to like the really small shows earlier on um and you know i'm not trying to put anyone off if you're a new fan or anything that's amazing but um i think i think those those are the, the people that I so frequently see like coming back every time and the kids that will be like, yeah, we've, you know, done 10 shows on this tour. We followed you all at the East coast kind of thing, which is in- insane to me, especially as a British person, like knowing how when kids here won't get a 20 minute train, you know, it's, it, it blows my mind and it's very, very humbling.
0: Yeah, no, that's really cool. Um, we'll hit on more of that in a little bit later, but you know, I want to focus on you as an individual, um, and I know, I mean, because you've had a lot of experience in the States, uh, you know, kind of comparing and contrasting, uh, you know, your life growing up uh, in the UK, which I know, you know, you've, you've documented well within the context of your records. Um, and then kind of, you know, comparing, and contrasting what life is like, you know, in the United States, because um, most people think of the UK in one of two ways. You you grow up in London and, you know, you're in a big city and you have that experience or you grow up on a pasture at a farm. Uh, (laughs) And and I don't think that many people realize that there is, uh, you know, an in-between of those two. Um, So, you know, what was your kind of uh, experience growing up and then, you know, how much do you feel like it differs from people's experiences here in the States?
1: I think people in the states would be quite surprised by how similar a lot of it is you know like the vast majority of of this country is is that in between that you're talking about it's like just rows and rows and rows of terraced houses really like you know there's there's a, obviously major major cities but most of it is is sort of small towns and suburbs of major cities and I guess the only difference being is that we have such little landmass and so many people that it all kind of bleeds into one there's not these big open stretches of of countryside unless you get to like a national park. But yeah. um, So I'm from Blackpool and we, we, which is uh, kind of a, it was the sort of uh, vacation capital of the country uh, from the sort of fifties until maybe the, the the mid eighties, early eighties when um, commercial air travel became really cheap at that point. So everybody started uh, rather than taking their vacation, get the train up to Blackpool by the sea. Uh, they would they would fly over to Spain because it was really cheap to do that, and they still do. And I don't blame them because it's it's a lot warmer and less rainy. Um, sure. But, uh, yeah, it, it was it was a really booming town, you know. When my grandparents they always tell me about it, like what it used to be like, and when when all the tourism left it because that was its primary industry, there was no factories or anything like that. It, it just plummeted economically, and it's never really recovered from it. It's it's one of the, the poorest towns in the in a country, you know, um, but it's a really interesting place because it still has a lot of history and it still is a tourist town. You know, we still do get a lot of tourism in the summer, um, but everything kind of shuts up in the winter. So it's got this weird sort of night and day contrast to it. But it, sure. it, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I go to a lot of places in America and I feel very at home. You know, I think kids would be surprised by how similar their, their kind of town is to mine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, and especially too, I mean, it's like what limited information I do know about that area. Um, you know, you described it very well where, you know, it's probably in very similar contrast to, you know, how certain towns in, you know, Florida or other vacation destinations really operate where it's like, oh yes, you know, for four months we're really busy and the rest of the year it's pretty, you know, dull. (laughs) There's, there there isn't a ton of stuff going on. Um, and so like, what did your, uh, I guess your family structure look like, you know, brothers and sisters, like mom and dad in the house. Uh, and what did the, your mom and dad do for a living?
1: I mean, I'm, I'm really lucky. I have two awesome parents. Um, and I, I got a little sister as well. Um, my parents are still together my dad, dad just retired, but he was a firefighter.
0: Um, oh, wow. Dude, that's a, that's a very, uh, honorable position.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's, um, he's a cool guy um and my mum, my mom's had a few jobs actually uh she when i was a kid she worked for like i guess the the equivalent of like the epa like the environment sure thing Yep. so she did that for a while and then uh she 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 didn't like doing that anymore so she then went into like um basically uh makeup like um for film and tv oh she sure now she, she works on like movies and tv shows doing doing the hair and makeup and stuff which is really cool
0: that is cool did you uh you know because most you know kids uh you know look at you know uh policemen firefighters like you know like oh yeah i want to i want to be like them you know like that's a really cool job um you know and because you had that (laughs) you know, immediate touch point of your father being a firefighter. Was it one of those things that, you know, your, uh, your friends were always like, wow, your dad's a firefighter. And then you were just kind of like, oh yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I guess it's cool, but like, I, you know, I don't want to be a firefighter just because it's my dad.
1: It was exactly that. Yeah. It was kind of like one of those typical things where, you know, whatever he was doing, I kind of wanted to do
0: the opposite. Do the opposite. Yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I just, I just find that funny. Cause I'm sure it's like, your you know a, a kid's immediate reaction is like oh yeah i would like to do that but uh, oh my dad does that so of course i wouldn't yeah that that's taken you know, <laughs> so i can <laughs> right can't do that yeah yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> but- they, they they were really they were really cool though like they still are they're super supportive of of of, of everything that we do but he he was he was definitely a good role model like growing up um and not just cuz he was a firefighter you know he was he was um very like He's, he's just a good, they're both great parents. You know, I can't complain.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a very solid household. And that's a, you know, the, you know, there's always that argument where, um, you know, the, you know, art needs to be created from, from pain. And of course that, you know, many, in many instances that's true, but you know, a lot of times it's like people can be relatively well adjusted as far as having, you know, a, a, you know, a loving and supportive household or whatever, but they can also express themselves in ways that, um, you know, don't have to come from this, like, you know, deep, dark seated pain or whatever, where it's like, Oh yes. Like, you know, my parents were divorced and you know, whatever, like a litany of stories that people can kind of, you know, go through. And it's like, yeah, people can express themselves in many different ways.
1: Honestly, I feel like I've kind of always had this, um, this sort of like guilt or kind of imposter syndrome, like about, uh, Me, me like being an artist and and some of like the lyrics that's why I don't really write that often about myself in our songs um and partly because I feel like all the all the artists that I grew up you know loving all had these kind of of troubled troubled backgrounds and 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 real hardships that they'd had to overcome and and I always felt a bit sort of um guilty because I'd, I'd come from yeah, my family were rich, but they they weren't poor. Like we were, we we never struggled to eat or anything. And my parents have always been really supportive. And I've definitely met a lot of other amazing artists on the road and good friends of mine that have had you know really crazy, crazy experiences. And and I've I feel like a a bit of a, an imposter sometimes for, well you know what can I complain about kind of thing because I, I I should be really grateful for what I have and I am. But you know you get what I mean.
0: Uh, yeah, well, absolutely. No, I totally understand. And I think that that is um and. It, it, it's unfortunate that, you know, you feel that way. And I know that many people kind of, uh, have that thought in their head, uh, just because, you know, you look at the people who are, you know, kind of worshiped, uh, from that perspective, the whole, you know, live fast, die young, like people who burn out quickly and for whatever reasons, like, you know, it could be, you know, drug abuse, you know, alcoholism or whatever, but having that, uh, you know, experience where it's like, oh yeah, I'd like to live a long life and, but I just want to express myself artistically. And it doesn't mean that, you know, people who, um, you know, don't have, uh, the challenges that are maybe thrown at them, you know, at an early age or, or have a solid structure that shouldn't be able to express themselves. So I I totally understand what you're saying. Oh, did I lose you? Oh,
1: I lost you there, right?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> did you hear what I was say? Where, where did I cut off? Hello. Oh, can you hear me? Hello? Oh yeah. Um, and so you were, uh, h- how much older were you than your sister or are you than your sister?
1: I'm, I'm like five years older than
0: her. Okay. So, uh, you were the, uh, you were the, the first on the scene. Did you get, uh, you know, I guess, uh, did your sister get treated, uh, better because she was the baby of the group?
1: I think she'll she'll say that she'll say that she didn't, but I, I think she did for sure. Um, I don't know. She she was a lot more like, and she still is a lot like. She's quite a good kid, and she um, she's very academic, you know. So she sort of <clears throat> wasn't really uh, drifting into an area where there was any cause for concern from my parents, whereas I was a little bit more. I wasn't a bad kid, but I was a little bit more. Uh, unruly and uh, experimental uh, as as a kid. So I think, I think they had an easier time with her than they did with me.
0: Sure. Yeah. You were, uh, you were stretching your wings a little bit more. Yeah. That's a good (laughs) way to put it. (laughs) Uh, And so I I guess kind of on that point, (laughs) as you started to go to, uh, you know, primary school and, you know, go into high school and stuff like that. Uh, what kind of kid did you find yourself being, you know, were you attracted to, you know, sports? I mean, obviously music has been an important part of your life, but you know, how did you kind of, um, I guess, identify yourself?
1: It, it, it I was, I, I, I was kind of like a, a bit of an all rounder. Like have, have you ever seen that show or heard of that show in the UK, the in-betweeners?
0: Oh yes, absolutely.
1: I was like one of those. I was like, I was just sort of had my group of friends and kind of did my own thing and I I kind of got on with everybody really but um our school like sport was kind of mandatory like rug, we played a lot of rugby um so I played a bit of that and I, and it was cool but it wasn't really my thing um but yeah I I, I don't know I, I I wasn't bad academically at all like I, I definitely struggled I had like a, a dyspraxia and things like that which kind of meant concentrating and and um and organization and stuff was quite difficult for me but um i i I was i was pretty i was i was wasn't a bad student or anything um but when i sort of got to about 14 i just became obsessed with with music and that was just it like i i i found my sort of like three or four really good friends in school are also sort of really into like the only kids who are into like alternative culture and art and and, um, and, and music and stuff. And, and I was away then that was sort of, you know, I was friendly with everybody, but I just kind of did my own thing. Cause most of my, uh, most of my friends went to a different school as well. So I didn't really sort of socialize with kids in my actual school all that much.
0: Got it. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause so there was that division of like, Oh, these neighborhoods go to this school and this neighborhood goes to this school.
1: Yeah, pretty, pretty much. And um, mine was like, um, my school was, I don't know. My school was like, uh, in, it was like near to my house so i just kind of went there but uh, most of my kids it was like a really big high school um sort of the other side of town so everybody kind of went there but um yeah i don't know a, a lot a lot of the kids at my school were kind of like rich kids and stuff and i didn't they, they they weren't like really interested in the same things as me and they all they were all very much sort of a bit spoiled and I, I just never really sort of identified with with them really they, they weren't into anything I was into and they were, they were fine, but it, it wasn't like, I don't really have many friend, many friends, um, apart from like my two best friends from, from school that I really sort of hang out with anymore, you
0: know? Sure. Yeah. You didn't find your tribe there. Rockabilia.com and the code you can use to get 15% off your order is PC 100 words. That's the number one, zero, zero words. Why is it important that you buy man band merch? Because Frankly, it's one of the coolest things that you can wear. Like, I'm almost 40 years old, and I would say a good 80 to 85% of my wardrobe is band shirts. And uh, even when I'm not wearing a band shirt, I am wearing something band affiliated, whether it's like a little pin or something on my, uh, you know, collared shirt or whatever the case may be. It's, uh, you know, and Rockabilly is your source for all things officially licensed. And uh, that's important because bands get paid from merch. And when bands are bootlegged, they do not get paid for merch. And I know that sounds like really, really rudimentary and simple, but uh, there are many companies that, uh, you know, just uh, traffic in the whole bootleg scenario. Like if you randomly Googled band name A merch, you're going to get a ton and ton of bootleg stuff, and it's terrible. So rockabilly.com, just go there and have fun. Spend a half an hour browsing around, and I bet you you'll be able to find at least two or three things, if not more, that will bring you joy during this uh, weird, weird time in the world we're living in. So PC 100 words, 15% off, use that code. Cause then the, uh, then they know that we sent you. So thank you, rockabilly for your continued support. And so, uh, like you mentioned, w- you started to, you know, get really obsessed with music, I, I guess, kind of walk me through your, uh, discovery process.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm always really jealous when I, I hear of people whose with, with parents kind of have this amazing record collection and they kind of gave them this sort of musical odyssey. But I never really had that. Uh, bless him, my parents really aren't really that interested in music. And, uh, yeah, I think <laughs> my dad had, like, Bay City Rollers and right. Iron Maiden and that was about it. <clears throat> but, yeah, I, I was mainly into, like, hip-hop when I was, when I was a kid. And I don't really know why. I just kind of, I don't know why I sort of discovered it, but when I was like kind of 12, 11, 12, 13, you know, was, I was really into hip hop. Um, and, and, and then my cousin, I remember I was about 14. My cousin was like, he's a lot older. He's, he's probably like uh, 20 at the time or something. Uh, and he was just like, oh, this is this, this sucks. Like, listen to this. And he 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 had the, um, the Slipknot, self-titled like live dvd oh yeah he, he put on like surfacing live and was like fucking watch this uh and and my my brain just kind of trickled out of my ear when i watched that it was insane i i couldn't i couldn't believe it sort of the the chaos and obviously with them it's insane as well because you've got nine people all wearing crazy masks beating sure. drums and some on stage and i've never seen anything like that but even just the heaviness of the music and from there i was kind of hooked so he kind of put me on to uh, you know some some hardcore bands and and some uh sort of like real British bands at the time um sort of like these very early days of like biffy Clyro and
0: oh yeah sure uh, so, so,
1: so some stuff like Reuben and bands like that like kind of a lot of old rock stuff um and he put me on that and then my uh <clears throat> sorry my best mate at school who's still my best mate um, he was also kind of into like a lot of Metallica and Slayer and you know the classics Megadeth and stuff. So f- f- he, we would just back and forth then, you know, we'd get CDs of the weekend and trade them and whatever, you know. And it was it was any any band that you saw, like what T-shirt are they wearing, and then you'd go look that band up and then find the press photos of them. What what you know what what influenced this band? And it was just like a rabbit hole. Every night I remember I'd get home on the family computer and i'd just be be this was like i guess pre-youtube but it was sort of uh like limewire do you you guys have limewire
0: oh yeah yeah for sure i mean like yeah all that file sharing yeah whatever it was yep yep
1: well i remember discovering that and that was just like the world opened up to me then but it was really confusing because they always used to mislabel
0: (laughs) yeah Dude, that that, that's, that was probably my favorite, like when, you know, the early days of piracy, when record labels would release fake, you know, improperly named MP3s in order to battle the pirates. And I just always found it so funny because someone would think that something is a certain band. And then you're like, dude, that's not that bad at all. <laughs> no, straight up, straight up, literally until
1: like embarrassingly recently, um, someone put on like Punkin and Drublick. And I was like, oh, I love Bad Religion. And then like, what? And for years I thought that 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 album, that NoFX album, for some reason was a Bad Religion album because I had it online wire as a as a Bad Religion record. Dude, but
0: that yeah. is so that is so good. good. I love I love that example because that is so like you could e- like there's no one that experienced that um you know whatever file sharing and can't understand how you could easily confuse those two like it was just mislabeled and it's like oh yeah it's a classic record of course punk and drum by bad religion so many
1: of them it was crazy but uh (laughs) but yeah um it it was from then on i just became completely obsessed and and then when i started going to shows like that was it was game over then that was just right kind of of all i really wanted to do yeah yeah yeah
0: no that's cool yeah and i mean i think that you know early especially too, I think with, uh, you know, white suburban life, like when you are exposed to hip hop, uh, it, it's such a different world that, it, you know, it feels like fantasy and make believe, but then, you know, there's obviously so much like braggadocio and, you know, people talking about how cool they are with, you know, cars. I mean, especially, you know, or like whatever hip hop you get exposed to is usually like the really glossy slick stuff. And so, yeah. Yeah. You, you,
1: it was it like
0: 50 cent and yeah and totally a lot of that kind of stuff, yeah. right exactly and then it's just, i mean i'm speaking from my own experience which just like you know getting introduced to like you know snoop Dogg and you know dr dre in the early 90s where it's just like dude like the even though these people live ostensibly 45 minutes from me uh i like they could not live farther apart from me talking about you know drinking gin and juice and i was you know whatever 14 years old being like man that'd be so cool that
1: must have been so crazy that like I guess like, yeah, downtown LA is probably only like an hour away from you or something, but it must have been like, yeah, d- different strokes. That's that's really interesting. But I mean, for, for us, like, because British hip hop has not been great. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's gotten, like, grime has always just been a London thing. Yep. So it, we're like six hours north of London. So that was just so far removed from, you know, we didn't really, so there was no northern grime then. Um, and so that like any rap music in the UK was pretty poor. So, um, for us, like all the, all the, like you say, all the, this kind of lifestyle that was talked about and, and all the, all the music videos and stuff, it was like a different planet to growing <laughs> up in North. It was, it was yeah. Just
0: insane. No, that's true. That's like even farther removed from you. It's just like, oh yeah. Like there, th- this is a world that just doesn't even, this is on not only a different planet, but like a completely different solar system. Like these are barely humans to me even though they are because i like them but it's just so weird
1: i think it's interesting you use the word like make believe or fantasy i think i think there was an element of that you know it was it was it was super super interesting and i found it quite quite intoxicating in a way at the time but um yeah but then it it wasn't very popular amongst most of my friends like everyone like liked m and like 50 cent because it was just a weird sort of cross culture thing that permeated everywhere in the world but um yeah, you know, when I started to get more into it and like a lot of East Coast, like 90s hip-hop and stuff, it, I, most of my friends just weren't weren't really interested in that. Um, it just didn't really sort of, I suppose, quite rightly so, there wasn't really anything in it for them, you know, growing in, up in the, in the north of England. Everyone was listening to The Cribs and The Arctic Monkeys and and like gritty northern indie music. Right. It was like the huge thing. Uh, and I love all that now, but growing up, it was like all the, the those sort of kids I was talking about, like kind of the rich kids and a lot of kids I didn't really like in school. And they were really into like indie, whatever that means. But British indie definitely has a different connotation than, than I suppose what you guys would call indie. But then it was like, I I just refused to listen to it because that was like their stuff. Yep. I just, I discovered just punk and metal and hardcore and that's all I cared about. And, you know, I, I loved it because it was like me and a few of my friends who liked it and we got shows and it was like our thing. And then years later, I went and listened to, like, all of those bands, amazing bands from the early 2000s, like Block Party and The Cribs and yeah. stuff like that. And I was really mad at myself because I'd completely, like, missed out on all these awesome bands just from my own sort of uh, obnoxiousness, you
0: know? No, uh, yeah, you're like, Silent Alarm, <laughs> uh, pretty good record. <laughs> yeah, I see why people yeah, liked it, yeah.
1: but I could have seen them play that record live, and I'm like, but I fucking didn't because I was a... I was an asshole. Well, like, there
0: you go. That's part of growing up. No, well, but I I mean, I, I think you really hit the nail on the head because I think, I mean, everybody needs to go through that sort of stylistic rebellion where, um, you know, I mean, to whatever the early 2000s in which, you know, bands like, uh, you know, Interpol and The Strokes started to pop up here in the States. So many people rebelled against that because it seemed, um, you know, whatever, inauthentic, trite, like whatever adjective you want to put on it. And a, a lot of people rebel to that in the same way. But then, you know, retrospectively, looking back at those records, people would have liked them if they viewed them through a different lens. But, you know, if you're a certain age, there's no way you're going to do that. You don't have that perspective. You're just like, oh, yeah, that's them versus me. And uh, I know I know my music's better.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would be like these fucking idiots. Don't know how to do that. <laughs> But they'd probably hate it, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely totally. And it's not like you could sit there and, you know, uh talk to them about the the value of whatever hardcore band you're into at that time because they'll just listen to it. They'll be like, "Yeah, it's a person yelling. Like this is awful."
1: Cuz I was listening to like Converge and <laughs> Right. Yeah. If I tried to put on like Homewrecker and show it to like one of those kids, they would have just looked at me like I'd fallen out of a tree. But to me, that was like the fucking. I still you know, love all that shit, but it was it was such a like a an, a, an awakening, uh, discovering all that kind of crazy, heavy like the Dillinger Escape Plan and just stuff that was for me at the time when I was a kid. It was like okay, how heavy can it get? Like take me there. I want it heavier, faster. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah. And that that was actually what I was going to say because it it sounds like that that trajectory that most of us go on it was similar to yours, where it's like okay, you get it, like you said, you get exposed to Slipknot, and then you're like, I want to get harder, heavier, faster, and like you just keep going down, and you know, eventually you you reach a point where you're like, okay, like I, I've now like tapped out at what I think is the most extreme or most heaviest or whatever, and then you can kind of paint around that. But I just love that feeling of like you said, there's it feels like a never ending well
1: yeah it really does yeah
0: yeah and so as you started to go to shows and like you said become obsessed with music did the idea kind of immediately come into your head to you know be playing in a band to you know kind of like start one like how did that kind of i guess transpire
1: yeah like i i had like a kind of me and my 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 best mate had a we had a, a, a band in uh in in school kind of just like a jam band and we played like a few like house shows and stuff like a lot of covers and things it was a real motley crew of people as well it was like this guy two years above plays guitar so we'll get him and then i hear there's a bassist in the grade below i was so let's let's get him you know um i played drums at the time um and we yeah so i did that and then and then i i, had, I was in a <clears throat> sorry my first sort of band that was kind of like in a scene like playing trying to play shows was like all my kind of group of friends that were from the other school um but i'd never really i'd never really sort of considered doing it like as a job that had never really really occurred to me and i i don't know i i I, it was just kind of a small very small scene that we had in blackpool and we would just all play shows and it was just kind of like oh what didn't really matter what genre you were you know it was just like oh cool you like play guitars like come play the show and you get like pop punk bands and beat down bands and indie bands all kind of playing together. It was really cool actually.
0: Right. Yeah. Because it was a self um, perpetuating scene. You all realized why you were there. It didn't necessarily matter that you sounded different.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And and people were really sort of open and friendly and supportive of of each other's music. It was, it was a really great time actually. And we would, we would only get one, Kind of shot at the venue. Yeah, this the show, and then they won't let us have anymore because we'll be mushing and shit, and right. would you know freak out, and then you you'd kind of get okay, you can never come back here again.
0: Right, right, yeah, yeah. They they thought that this would be a uh, you know simple uh, simple like dance or whatever. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like oh yeah.
1: I was saying that I don't know what they thought was going to happen, but because we all like freaks, like <laughs> there was like the weirdest group of people. You had, there'd be like forty kids. And some of us would have, like, mohawks, some of us would be, like, skinheads, and then some of us would just look like they walked into the wrong place, you know. It was a real interesting melting pot kid, so I don't know what they thought was going on, but there was a lot of metal uh, in Blackpool. Like, that was the big, the, the most popular thing, I think. So there's a lot of metal bands playing, so there was a lot of, you know, pitting and hardcore dancing and things like that. But um, So it'd be, like, pubs, but... A lot of like scout huts and pizza shops and churches, like church hall kind of of community center kind of kind of things, you know.
0: Sure. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Places that you you know you could pay two hundred uh you know dollars and or pounds you know euros and they'd be able to uh, you know like have the space and that they wouldn't ask any questions.
1: For for the most part, like the, the pubs was when it kind of got bad because they started trying to they were like oh there's there's people here like let's facilitate this cool like then they'd build some kind of bullshit stage and have the worst pa ever but they'd be like oh we're a venue now but they would they, i guess they didn't realize that everybody here was like under 18 and <laughs> they weren't gonna it, sell drinks yeah <laughs> well exactly but then the, all the problem that arose is that you know we all start drinking when we were like 14 because there's nothing else to do you know we'd sit on the beach uh, and just drink disgusting they'd be like be like um it was called like if you talk to anyone from the uk about white lightning it's uh, i swear they use this shit to clean the hull of submarines it's lethal but it was (laughs) it'd be like three liters of this this stuff this cider for like two pounds or something insane so uh we you know we'd all do that um so we because there was nothing else to do so this was great because it gave us an outlet to start actually doing things apart from just sitting around drinking um, but then the problem was, you'd get all these underage kids sneaking booze in, and that's when, quite rightly so, the pubs, you know, they're going to lose their license. So they, they pull the shows. But it was cool because some of us would like um, flyer. So we'd go to like all the schools and, the, and like the, <clears throat> the high schools and just went with like a thousand flyers. And we'd just sneak into the other schools and just fly the shit out of everywhere. And then other kids would be like the bookers, and it, it was great. And, and that's how I met my my current bandmates from the the other bands in the scene, you know?
0: Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, that's exactly what the, you know, local scene provides is not only does it provide you, you know, the entertainment and the ability to, you know, put together shows. And like you said, everybody kind of, you know, does their part to advance this thing. Um, But then, yeah, you just start to meet other people and find more like-minded. You're like, oh, you like that band too? It's like, oh yeah, cool. All right. I'm into Converge. And yeah, like you said, just, you start to, your world starts to expand a little bit more when uh, uh, other weirdos congregate <laughs> in the same places. Yeah,
1: yeah. It, it, it was always, you'd see that like uh, that shirt, that like bot shirt, and you'd be like nodding at each other across the room, like sick man. Like,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Awesome. You know what's up. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, it, it, it's cool too, because I, I think that, um, you know, it, it's, it's often, uh a broad brush is painted on people who are younger, whatever, you know, I'm 39 years old. I'm guessing you're in your late twenties, early thirties. Uh,
1: late twenties. Yeah. yeah. Well, mid, mid twenties, I'm
0: 26. 26. Yeah. Okay. So it, it's real easy for people who are older to look at a, a different generation and be like, Oh, things were, you know, or things, things were, are so much easier now. And, uh, you know, that, that idea that you, you know, theoretically you could have seen, the fact that you could maybe potentially play music and make a living out of it or whatever. Um, but it's like (laughs) the notion of that, like when you start, like very few people have the idea that it's like, Oh yes, like I'm going to be in a rock band and I'm going to like make a living out of it. Like generationally speaking, I don't care how old a person is like, yeah, there might be an easier roadmap than what it was 10 years, um, you know, before or whatever. But it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone is starting off with these weird motives, where people could look at Boston Manor and just, you know, write you guys off because you sound like some, you know, emo pop band or whatever. But it's like, no, you came from the same scene.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. It, it, it was. I don't know. It was the the UK at the time. You know, if you'd have told me that we'd have gone to America, I, I just never would have believed you. Even if we had, you know, even when we were like starting to tour and stuff it it just didn't seem viable because even to a lot of a lot of um u.s people don't really know that like to get to tour america unless you unless you want to be super crafty and i know people have done this and like come over without a visa which is like they don't fuck around like if they find a guitar pick in your back like you can be kind of done so you know we we did it properly the first time we came but to to tour america you know it's, it's you're talking like a thousand dollars each band member in a visa for a year and then you've got to fly over there so it, it you know i never thought we'd be able to do that let alone do what we're doing now but you know when we first started touring it was it was like just you just did it we played like house shows and you just kind of get in i think we did our first tour in a car like do you know what i mean it, it, it was never yeah i never thought that anything like this would be viable yeah. let alone a a career.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and so, uh, you know, you ended up being a vocalist, obviously, for Boston Manor. Uh, and clearly, you know, like you said, you started playing drums initially. Um, usually, it's one of those things where people, as they start to, you know, kind of sing and experiment with that, you know, singing, screaming, whatever usually that's because the rest of your friends are more talented than you at instruments you know <laughs> was, was, was was okay <laughs> so they were like all right henry uh try try the singing thing see how this sounds for you
1: well yeah they were like you're not very good on drums mate um and you can't play guitar so um yeah <laughs> well i had so i i'd actually i'd done a lot of like uh, like acting and, and stuff As a kid, like I'd done a bunch of musical theatre And things um, I'd always kind of been into all that side of Side of things And, and um, Like being on the stage and stuff So I was pretty comfortable kind of being around people and, and I can't shut up as well So I was always very like Kind of comfortable talking to people and stuff um, Or at least outwardly so uh, and, and yeah, so, so I could sing um, Somewhat, like I'd had Like a few singing lessons and stuff but like not in the way that I do now kind of thing, but it was definitely a case of like, well, I want to be in a band. Um, at least my first band, I I want to be in a band, but I can't do anything else. So I'm just going to have to be, be the singer.
0: Right. Right. (laughs) And when you were doing your, uh, your acting, uh, you know, like participating in probably, you know, high school and like local musicals and stuff like Mm that. Uh, what, uh, what attracted you to that you know what what did you kind of enjoy about that? Did you enjoy the kind of performance nature? did you enjoy uh the collaborative you know feeling of being part of an ensemble like what was the uh i guess attraction for you
1: It's an interesting thing really like I kind of learned a bit more, so I did it from being like seven years old um i think I, my mom took me to see like a local um musical or a, or or maybe a pantomime actually um and I think I'd just been like wow like i really i think actually I remember it was peter Pan. And I was probably most impressed with him getting to fly around on stage because they had him on like the wire things. I was like, whoa, that looks sick. I wanna I wanna do that. And and she just was like, okay, well. And she took me to like a local, local like amateur dramatic society thing. But um I ended up doing it for quite a while and I ended up doing like a bunch of uh, film and TV stuff um as like quite a young kid, um, which I've never really talked about before because there are some very embarrassing clips on youtube which i hope nobody ever finds um but uh, <laughs> i did that for a while and i really didn't like it that much like the the, the film and tv aspect of it um because i and and, and then i stopped doing all together when i was about probably about 12 but i think i realized that what i had it what had attracted me to it was the being on stage and having a an audience in front of you that you can interact with and and you can
0: because
1: you get so much energy off off the audience you know so I think that's what I always loved, and which is why I ended up wanting to be in a band and be on stages for that kind of live setting and environment. And the, the the TV thing was just, I I just I really I didn't like it. You know, it was just very sterile and not fun.
0: Yeah, totally. It makes sense. I mean, I it's funny because I've I've tracked a lot of people that uh, you know, or I've I've spoken to people that have. They get that feeling of, you know, either performance or whatever from so many different areas. It's like some people, you know, become teachers because, you know, there you have to hold an audience and like that feeling can kind of be pulled from a lot of different places and sometimes unexpected places. Um, But I mean, it makes logical sense that you would have that feeling performing in a play and then uh you know have that same feeling but different uh, you know performing in a band but it, it, it's cool like when you're able to identify that that is what you enjoy out of it and it's like oh yeah not even from like an egotistical play like oh everybody look at me but just like hey i enjoy getting in front of people and entertaining whatever that may mean 100 percent. like i was always especially the plays like a lot of the time i would just be like the chorus guy like in just in the chorus
1: or like a smaller role but i just i fucking loved it especially when i was um like quite quite young, uh, yeah. I, I probably stopped doing all that when I was about fourteen or something. I don't know, but um, as soon as I started playing and playing in bands, but I, I only kind of sort of realized that recently when I was I was thinking about it. That must have been what drew me to that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I totally get that. And so you know, then at, like once you know Boston Manor started to exist and you started to you know kind of uh, get out there and, and play local shows and like you said, get you know even more um, entrenched within that idea of like playing in a band. Uh, you know, I'm going to presume, like you said, you played drums in some of your first bands and stuff like that. Um, but w- Boston Banner is probably like the most, I guess, serious that you had gotten up until, uh, that point of playing in your previous bands.
1: Oh yeah. Like the, the other bands I barely played out of town, you know, so that was definitely the first like proper serious band I was in.
0: Got it. Um, And was there a path for you from a sort of career perspective? Um, You know, clearly a firefighter wasn't something you were going to be, but, you know, uh, was there any sort of expectations like, oh, yes, you're going to go to, you know, secondary school and you're going to, you know, become this sort of person?
1: Well, yeah, like I thought, so I, I hate the whole film thing, the film and TV thing. Um, But I loved creating, and I used to shoot loads of music videos for all my friends' bands, kind of in the scene. I was just like the guy with the camera kind of thing. So I was like, oh, maybe I just want to be on the other side of the camera. So I went to art school um, and did, like, a degree in film. Um, So Boston Manor, I was, like, probably, like, 20 when it started, 19. Um, And I was in, like, my final year of, of university, college or whatever. We all were. So everybody had been to university at that time. So by which point I thought, like, I never thought, like, oh, now's when you start a band that you want to be in and pursue a career. I just assumed that I would sort of go and work in film and TV, you know, as, like, a cameraman or whatever, I don't know. But, um, yeah, a friend of mine who I'd kind of been in bands with and stuff, he was like, oh, there's these two brothers. They're in a band. I'd played shows with them. I was aware of them. I'd I'd never actually met them, Um, or I may have only met them in passing in, in, in like, the scene. But he was like, yeah, they're looking for a singer and – I'd already been like a singer in my old band, so he, I was like, cool, you know, I'll, I'll go and like meet up with him or whatever, and have a jam with them. And it was the the two brothers, Dan and Mike, um, and and I met up with them, and yeah, we just started playing music together from there. But it was weird, like I, I'd never sort of got. I wouldn't have gone to university had I have thought that I was gonna sort of be in a be in a band, you know. I, I could have saved money, you know what I mean?
0: Sure, uh, <laughs> right, I was, right.
1: I really wish I had, but. But yeah, it just sort of happened, and then immediately we, when we started playing shows, it just felt different from any other band that I've been in. It just felt very much more sort of like focused and driven, and we all seemed to be on the same page with everything. And um, and yeah, the, the songs had like a kind of energy to them, even even though they're very different than to the kind of music that we make now. And it, it just sort of happened really. And once we once we went on our first tour, which I think was on like summer break after the second year of uni or something. Like, in that summer, we we started, like, touring. Once we'd done that, I was like, oh, yeah, like, fuck this, like, film thing. I was just over it instantly. I just, that was the point where I was just like, oh, well, for better or worse, like, what's the worst that can happen? I, I'll, I'll finish, I'll finish university, but, you know, we can do this band thing. And even if it doesn't work out, like, I'm still back where I am now. Like, I'm not, I'm not worse off for it. Like, let's just see where this, this goes kind
0: of thing. Sure. At that point, did your uh, parents, I mean, you said they're supportive, but were they kind of like, Henry, I don't, I don't know if you should like drop out and like do this whole band thing. This is weird. Yeah, I,
1: I think they were, they were fairly, they've always been very supportive because I was always that kid that was like, my mom, I'm going to do this now. This is the thing I'm going to do now. Like as a kid, you know, I'd run in and be like, oh, now I'm all about sculpting. Like, and then a week later, I'd be like out, you know, over it kind of thing. But she was probably like, "Oh, it's you know what, let him give it a go." And then when we started kind of touring, I was like, "Give me, give me a year and a half to to like just see this through and whatever, like not pursue a career per se, like in anything else. Like, just give me like a year and a half." And they were like, "Okay," Um, and then and then they were always kind of like. You know, interested and and very sort of nice about it. And then I think I think they kind of came to see us. I think right when we got like when we were about to get signed by Pure Noise, uh, they came to like a we played like a festival, and they came to in Manchester and they came to watch our set. And it was it was awesome. It was like probably only like two hundred kids, but three hundred kids. But they were all going crazy and stage diving and stuff. And I don't think they'd ever seen that world of like punk shows as well. So they were sort of blown away by it and i think once they'd seen as actually play they were sort of like oh okay this is this is like a it's not just like a mess around thing it's like a real it's sort of like a real thing that they want to do
0: yeah there's that there's momentum or some some promise for something to happen as opposed to you know like yeah you're just playing in front of five people at the local pub or whatever
1: exactly yeah yeah
0: um two last things i want to hit on before i let you go was the Uh, you know, the expectation versus the reality. Once you kind of came over to the States and you started to, you know, put your work in, like you have been doing with the band, uh, I guess, how different was it for you when you first started to experience it and being like, oh, wow, like this is exactly what it was described to me as, or was it, you know, worse, better? You know, I'm sure it's kind of maybe tough to put yourself in that mindset, but um, yeah, how how do those expectations either uh, meet or exceed or be worse then
1: it was super interesting because you know i'd grown up loving american bands and you know watching Warped Tour videos and things like that like the, the Warped tour dvd um but quite honestly like america had never interested me as a place to save travel to if i hadn't been doing this uh, as a as like a job like i if i'm picking like vacation spots i probably wouldn't have chosen to travel to america or whatever um at least not immediately but so it, it wasn't something that I was like chomping at the bit to to go and discover, but I'd always been fascinated by American culture, and obviously in the UK we're kind of just American TV is kind of beamed into us as, as kids. So I felt like I had this expectation of what it would be, but um, I just fell in love with America, and I still do it. It's like my favorite place, and it's a it feels like home now, you know. And and it I think I think one thing that really sort of I didn't expect the way that it is was f- the people to be so friendly. Um, I feel like American people are so much more uh, welcoming and friendly and there's no... The, so much less cynical uh, than, than British people are. Um, and that's kind of just our, our way, I suppose. But I, we, we always joke about it, but, like, if... <laughs> people just talk to you on the street in America, which is amazing, I think. But in, in the UK, if someone stops, stops you on the street, you, you know, you suddenly, like... Uh, you're, you're on the back foot, you know, something's wrong. Something must be wrong if somebody's talking to me right now. They must need something or there's something that I'm doing. This, but, you know, people will just make, make chit-chat with you. And, and I think people just taking us into their homes, letting us sleep on their floors and cooking breakfast for us. And not that that hadn't happened elsewhere in the world, but I think just how common, common it was, you know, there was always somebody at the show that would put us up uh, and they were super nice, and I've made some of my best friends from those early years of touring that I still, you know, see all the time now. Like we'll we'll stay in like hotels or sometimes like a bandwagon now, but sometimes we have friends that have just we love staying with them because it just feels like home. So, you know, like Travis from Microwave, no matter what kind of way we're traveling this, the country, we'll always just like stop and stay at his house because it it's just it feels like home, and 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 I, I love that, you know. So, I think it was I I, I just didn't expect to fall in love with it the way, the way that I did. I just thought it'd be like the UK looked bigger.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That, it's cool. Cause I, I do think that that when you don't have, and this isn't saying that, you know, bands that don't have the, you know, DIY experience of, you know, like you said, staying at straight, literally strangers houses and stuff like that, uh, you know, don't have, uh, a, you know, as valid of an experience. Cause you know, whatever bands that kind of, you know, skip that step, whatever, more power to them. But yeah. Those are those are the moments that you really not only remember, because it's not like you remember an overnight drive on a bus, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, you remember.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I, I, I must admit, um, we're, we're sort of like moving up to that or gearing towards moving up to that now. And um, sure, we've been like a bandwagon a couple of times for like a walk tour and stuff. And um, we, we typically drive ourselves um, and we love it. And, and i'm gonna really miss that you know i miss the whole just kind of like i don't know just just the having you up front and then you like you co-pilot and you pick your tunes and then decide where you're going to stop and and you have like drive days and i don't know i mean when you're in the thick of it and it's like the seventh drive day you probably like
0: right, right
1: now. <laughs> totally but i i miss uh, you know things as well of, of, of sort of crazy especially when you're sort of in the south and you see crazy like this next left and you're like whoa what's that like right <laughs> well, let's go see what that is um you know you can't really do that when you're on a bus so i i think you do have those those real experiences um and i wouldn't i wouldn't trade a second of it i really really wouldn't
0: yeah no no i i agree wholeheartedly and i, I think that's um you know you you do appreciate the creature comforts that you know, happen as you, like you said, as you scale up and are able to, you know, afford more luxurious accommodations. But, you know, there, there is a part of your brain that you, you know, you, you become really nostalgic for those things, even though in the moment you were probably like, yeah, I don't need to be sleeping on this person's floor with a used condom next to me or something. But like, (laughs) uh, well, I'm glad I did it at once.
1: Oh, dude, I have so many stories of just (laughs) fucked up places that we've in, And you're like, well, Let's get our head down, man. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's, that's where uh, one or two people in the band immediately volunteered to sleep in the van to watch it.
1: Oh, dude, dude, I was just going to say, actually, there's one that's come straight to mind. It was in Pittsburgh. And it was these, like, real kind of crust punk couple that we were kind of staying with. But they were really nice, like, us stay in their place, you know. But we came in, and the whole carpet was, like, saturated with, with cat piss. <laughs> they had, like, five kittens that were, like, really, kind of feral. Um and immediately, yeah, our tour manager and uh, and Dan was just like our base is like, Yep, yeah, I'm 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 sleeping in the van. We we're like, Oh right. So we just kind of zipped ourselves. We we had like sleeping bags at the time and we just kind of like pulled them up to our faces and just didn't touch anything and just kind of went to sleep there on the floor. Right. Uh, oh. hours, yeah. <laughs>
0: it's it's the it's the best. And it's just like those those little things that you learn where it's like I always remember being like, uh, hey, you know, if presented an opportunity you always want to stay with uh girls or women just because frankly they've got nicer bath products <laughs> and it's like yeah the shower yeah honestly yeah the shower. We, we um we so on our first ever
1: tour it wasn't like a full u.s tour it was like a um sort of mostly like partly canadian tour uh supporting light pacific and they were they were canadian uh are canadian still. yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> so a lot of it was that and then we kind of dipped into some of the midwest uh, so we did we did like kind of half and half but it wasn't a full us um, and um so um on that tour we we got hooked hooked up with like um a, a bunch of jordan the singer like pacific's friends uh, and he has like a a, a bunch <laughs> he used to uh, he's gay and he would make he would like when they started out go on Grindr and just find loads of dudes sure. that he could get his, but he's like, oh yeah, well, you know, I'm not going to go on a date with you, but can like seven of my friends come and stay at your house? And they would actually be really nice. And he made a load of friends from his early days of touring who were all, all from grinder. So when we first got there, we, had, we didn't know anyone. They had no one to stay with. And he had like a network of all of his like gay friends all around America that we could stay with. And they were all gay couples and they all had the nicest nicest cleanest houses
0: that's amazing
1: so it's it's for us it was always that or uh, somebody's parents oh if you can stay with somebody's parents then you're fucking sorted they're gonna have a nice place probably yep. a big basement oh that's that's the that's the ticket college kids all my college friends i don't want to stay with them because they got like <laughs> kind of shitty-
0: <laughs> totally totally yeah yeah if you're staying with parents you know that the next morning they're gonna make you pancakes or something and they're gonna be like oh my kids have made new friends 100% yeah we, we have like
1: uh, some of our like I have like friends who I'm like better friends with their parents now than them Just from like the <laughs> to watch us play and stuff and they'll like bring us food it's
0: great oh I love that I love that um the last thing I want to hit on was it, it I, I don't think this is like sensitive or divisive but you know there have been people that have looked at Boston manners progression over time in regards to uh sonically speaking where it's just like oh yeah, you know, you guys are, you guys are trying to, you know, cash in on opportunities in regards to like what is popular, you know, at that particular moment. And, you know, there's, I find it interesting because, uh, you know, many people don't talk about the term, you know, like sell out anymore, because realistically like that has faded much into the background. Um, but I think you guys do tend to take a lot of, uh, heat in regards to your sonic changes in ways that I, I see other bands, frankly, that I guess don't get that. Um, I know you probably don't have maybe the best perspective because you were in the middle of it and you're clearly creating the art that you want to create. Um, But I don't know, does that resonate at all with you? Like, it seems, I don't know, people just seem really uh, generically speaking, a little bit harsh towards (laughs) your records that are like, Oh yeah, you sounded like an emo pop band. And now like you're integrating, like some hip hop elements. Like, what are you doing? I think, yeah, I think we, we kind of,
1: even though we were definitely a pop punk band for sure. Like, you know our eps and elements of our first record was kind of that um and i think a lot of it isn't so much that we were like the first record was a pop punk record but it kind of also wasn't but i think we were so in that kind of world like we toured with every you know name a pop punk band we've toured of them um you know pure noise at that time when we were coming up was you know i'd argue it was very much known for for like successful pop punk bands like state champs and stories so far and you know, all, all those kind of bands. So we kind of very much came from that world, but I never grew up listening to pop punk. Like I, I've never really, I, I like some pop punk bands, but it's never been my my thing at all. Um, and then, you know, we we kind of just, when we made our second record, just made the music that we wanted to make. And we, you know, I, I don't listen to any, any of that music and most of us don't. So why would we kind of like make a record that we weren't into? It was, it was a, literally as simple as that. But I think, I think it sounds like a bit of a cliche or maybe even a bit of an arrogant thing to say, but I I think it's because we kind of like sit in between all these worlds and and we don't necessarily have like a specific box that we fit in now. I think some people, some people don't like that. And then other people just genuinely really liked our early stuff and like the pop punk thing and, and just kind of want more of that music and we're not going to make that now. So I guess a lot of people don't really like that but i I think it's always interesting particularly with these new singles that we put out um off this new record we're about to release it's it's had it's been interesting seeing watching people like fight online about it and (laughs) and youtube comments and all that kind of stuff because everybody's take on it is so so different and i I really like that but um yeah I, i i for me, it's always been a case of like, I don't make nearly enough money off this. It, it, you know, I, I make minimum wage if that and I'm 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 here to satisfy my own creativity first and foremost and and make the music that I'm gonna enjoy. And that I, I feel I can look back on and be proud of our discography. Um and, and if other people like that, then that's that's um that's a bonus. And I know that, that means that I'm kind of rolling the dice on whether or not, you know, we'll have longevity because you know. People may just not fuck with one of your records because it's you've kind of really just done your own what you wanted to do and not really taking the fans into consideration. But I, I'm 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 prepared to kind of live and die by that, really, because I feel like the second that you're you're kind of making songs that aren't for you, then then what are you doing? You know, why why are you even here?
0: Right. Yeah. Well, especially if you're you know trying to predict the way that uh, the music. Uh, culture will, you know, the the way the winds blow, it's like, you know, you're going to end up being, you know, creating things that you're going to look back on and be like, well, I wasn't even, I was just trying to chase something. I was just trying to be popular. And that's super
1: weird when people do that. And it's really obvious when you can see that people have kind of chased trends. And I, I, it's a real, real hate of mine that when, when people do that, because it's, well, first off, like it's, it's almost impossible to do if you, if you were so inclined to do that, like how many bizarre turns have musical trends taken in the past three years like it's 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 crazy but um i I just i feel like when people sort of like throw these random elements into their music and and you know i suppose we've been accused of that at, at times we definitely had a we have a few tracks that are kind of like very left field of where our music generally sits but a part of that is just sort of like kind of follow i i always think of it like sort of following a following a lead and just kind of seeing where it goes you know you you start off with this idea and it it's going that way. Don't get in the way of it and and make it be this thing that fits in with your world. Just like follow it, and then worst comes to worst, you write a track that doesn't fit your band and you don't release it. You know. Um, but I I've, I've always found it really weird when people seem to be writing to like a, a brief. I don't know. Like we've tried to kind of do that in 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 a way, not not because we thought it'd be popular, but we always say that we kind of sit down before we start a record and we're like, well, how you know what are you guys thinking? Like what are you feeling? What kind of music do you want to write? and someone's like well i think we should kind of like you know go a little heavier in these parts and 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 kind of strip these these elements back a bit and blah 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 and it's the most useless conversation because the record you end up making ends up sounding nothing like this conversation that you had so there's kind of no point i think in in even doing that you or it doesn't work for us at least for us it's just a case of like get in the room, write the songs and see what happens, you
0: know? Yeah, no, it's a very good point. I mean, I think it, it's most people when they're starting a creative endeavor, no matter what it is, you have your intentions behind it and you have your your own personal creative vision. And then usually along the way, you have to pivot and change based off of exactly what you're talking about, following your lead and following what kind of feels right at that particular time. And it can complete, be like, you know, completely transformed if you are willing to let it be, as opposed to, like you said, just sticking to the script and being what you know is expected of you or whatever.
1: Hundred percent, and I think I'm sure you've been in a position as a musician yourself, where you, you you have this like idea of what this song you're writing or working on should be, and it and and it, it it wants to go this other way, and you kind of don't let it. You're like, no, that's not what the song's supposed to be. Like let you're trying to like tame this song and put it in this box and be like, you're supposed to be this type of song that I wanted to write, but it'll just be a bad, you probably want that because there's another song that like it that you like and you're trying to like make it that song and you don't realize it. But when you let it go off and become its own thing, so letting a kid go off, your kid go off to college or something, let it be free, you know, follow it, let it do its own thing. Let it be its own identity. And then that's when it starts to become your song because you're actually letting it be original.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly with that. Well, Henry, we we could probably hang out for another four hours, but uh, I think we'll probably have to start another podcast about that. But, uh, (laughs) dude, thank you so much for coming on and being interested in this and supporting the show for as long as you have.
1: Oh, dude, absolute pleasure, man. a huge fan of the show. And, uh, yeah, keep up the good work.
0: That was Henry and... What what a pleasant pleasant discussion with him. He was uh yeah, just just great. And I found out so much more about the band that uh, you know, I wasn't uh, I wasn't aware of. And uh, it was great. So next week we have a great conversation with Casey Crescenzo from the Deer Hunter. This is a band that has eluded me in regards to Uh, Just like attaching myself to them. I know that people are devoted super fans of the band. And it was always one of those things I was like, they're cool, but just didn't really kind of, you know, bring me into that rabbit hole. But Casey was such a pleasant discussion. And um, yeah, so that's what we got next week. As always, you can email the show 100 words podcast at gmail.com. And yeah, please just just take care of yourself. Okay. And like I always tell you, please be safe, everybody.